Hey, everybody, come on in. Yes, it's another wonderful morning in the age of coronavirus, but I think we're going to get on top of this thing. Yeah, yep. Humans, we're pretty good. In fact, our winning record, uh, about uh, 100,000 years of winning. Name a species that has beaten us yet. You can't. Name a virus that has taken us down and finished us off. None. Spanish flu? Nothing. You got nothing. You're shooting blanks, flu. Well, there's no virus that can stop us, especially when we have powerful, powerful medical technology. Not the least among them is the simultaneous sip. Yeah, the simultaneous sip has been shown in studies that are not peer-reviewed, and allegedly we hear from people who are anonymous sources in tests run in other countries by people with very long hair who should not be doctors. Those people tell us with great certainty that the simultaneous sip will raise your immune system. Yeah, it's true. And all you need is a copper marker, a glass of tanker, chalice or stein, a canteen, jug or flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure of the dopamine hit of the day, the thing that makes everything, including the stupid pandemic, better. It's called the simultaneous sip, and it happens now. Go. Ah. Yeah, my immune system just went up about 3.6%, I think. Feels about like that. All right. Um, here's my uh, idea of the day that does not come from me. A, a uh, Twitter follower sends me the following idea, and I would like to share it with you. So the president is considering scaling back on his press conferences. I think most of you would say that might be a good idea at this point. We're, we're a little bit over-informed, and every time he's on stage taking questions, the press is doing nothing but trying to bait him into a, a mistake. So I don't really need to watch the press asking illegitimate questions, which are only designed to force unforced errors, basically. That doesn't make sense, but you know what I'm talking about. So here's, here's a suggestion. How about the president take questions from the public? Right? Now, when I say the public, there are several ways to do it. One is you could literally just say, you know, tweet at me a question and I'll, I'll pick the ones that look good. Right? That would be a perfectly fair way to do it. Just look at his Twitter feed, go on television and say, all right, I got a whole bunch of questions. I've marked some good ones. Uh, so uh, user blah, 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 ask this question. Here's my answer. Now, of course, that doesn't give you time for some follow-up. So let me suggest another idea. Why is it that only CNN and the big networks get to ask questions of the president? Do they have special powers of question asking? They don't, right? But what they do have is a big channel. So in other words, the president is sort of forced to answer questions from people he doesn't want to deal with, such as you know, CNN, because they have such big reach. But it's 2020, people. Can you imagine, I'll just throw out this hypothetically, if I personally interviewed President Trump on video, do you, how many people would watch it? And the answer is, just about everybody in the world. <laughs> so do you need CNN? Uh, tell me this isn't true. If I personally interviewed President Trump, it would be huge. And it's not just me. Yeah, you, you could pick, uh, you could come up with 20 names off the top of your head who are just people with blue checks on Twitter. They don't need blue checks. I'm not saying that makes you, a, you know, a more effective because you have a blue check. Obviously, that's not the case. But you could think of 20 people that you would put on camera and say, hey, um, you know, uh, I, well, I was going to say you know, Jack Basomic, but he has, you know, he has a network, so he's, he, he doesn't count because he's got his own network at OAN. 
Um, but take somebody who doesn't have a network, just somebody who's got a lot of Twitter followers. Do you think, I'll just you know, throw out a name, do you think if Mike Cernovich interviewed President Trump on video that that wouldn't get 20 million hits? Of course it would. <laughs> of course it would. Yeah. Do you think I can't ask better questions than the entire press corps? I can. I can. And I think you know it too, right? I can ask better questions than the entire press corps. I say that with complete confidence. Um, and I say that because lots of people could. I'm not saying that I could do better than the press corps because I have magic powers. I'm saying there are lots of people who could. You just have to take it out of that weird little artificial environment where they're showcasing and you know, trying to force an error and just give somebody, yeah, there's a, there's a good suggestion, Dave Rubin. Could Dave Rubin ask better questions of President Trump about the coronavirus than the professional uh, reporters in the room? Yeah, it wouldn't even be close. Tim Poole, Joe Rogan, I'm seeing other names. Yeah, yeah Dan Bongino. You could find a lot of people who could get who could dig in a little bit better than the pros. So why not why not do that? So here's here's my invitation. Uh, I invite President Trump to do a long form interview with me. I guarantee it will be better TV than anything that's been produced by any other interview by any other network. Period. And you know it's true. You know you would watch an interview with me and President Trump. You know you would. So, anyway, I'll throw that out there. It doesn't have to be me, but I'd like to see real people asking him questions. Um, so the Democrats are so worried about Trump's decision-making, and it kind of comes that, down to that, doesn't it? They use lots of words for it. You know, they'll say... Uh, Oh, we think he's a monster. We think he's crazy. We think he's not paying attention to the facts. We think he's speculating about medical things. He's a loose cannon. They, they have a million different words for it, but doesn't it all come down to they don't trust his decision-making, right? They give different reasons for it, but it all comes down to we don't, we don't know if he'll make the right decisions. So Democrats are so worried about Trump's decision-making that they want to replace him with an elderly dementia patient with credible Me Too allegations. I'm not even making that up, right? Is this not a true statement? I don't think it's even shaded in, a, in, a, in an especially provocative way. The Democrats are so worried about Trump's decision-making. That's true. They're very worried about his decision-making. Everybody would agree with that first part of the statement that they want to replace him with an elderly dementia patient with credible Me Too allegations. Do you, would you disagree with that statement? Now, you could disagree whether he's technically a dementia patient, but that would be a distinction without much a difference, right? Or is it a difference without a distinction? It's one of those. Um, maybe he's not technically. You know, Technically, maybe he doesn't have dementia, but um, it, it, he looks and acts that way. So, uh, and I wondered, how could Trump ever learn to make good decisions like that? Because the Democrats who are judging Trump's decision-making abilities must feel that they can make better decisions because they're comparing Trump's decision-making to what they would have done, I suppose, because how else could he do it? It's not like there's another president who's doing the same job. So if you're saying President Trump is not making good decisions, the only thing you have to compare it to is the decisions that you yourself would have made in that situation. So one has to assume that you're good at making decisions in order to judge that the person who's doing something different from what you would do is doing it wrong. So the people who judge themselves to be good at making decisions have decided that they should put all of their hopes with an elderly dementia patient with credible Me Too allegations. What part of that did I make up? Is any of that, is any of that uh, exaggeration? I mean, maybe the dementia patient part, but barely, right? Um, here's a story that is so shocking that I can't even process it. 
Do you ever have that happen, where there's a story that you think is true? I'm sure it's true. I mean, this one's true for sure. Uh, well, nothing's true for sure, but I think this one's true. And, and it's so bad that if it were true, and it is true, I should immediately get in my car and, and go like start a revolution or something. It's so bad that my brain can't even tell me what to do about it because it, can't even, it doesn't even feel real. And here it is. There's uh, an employee of the New York Times, uh, Davey Alba, who said, uh, I contacted you, YouTube about this video, which is being shared uh, on tons of replies on Twitter and Facebook, by people asserting that it backs up Trump's idea, throwing it out there, that UV rays kill coronavirus. YouTube just said it removed it for violating its community guidelines. Now, the, the video in question, many of you know the story, is the, the company who doesn't, I don't forget their name, but they're in trials right now at Cedars-Sinai for a far UV light technology, which is known to kill coronavirus. It's not speculated that it kills coronavirus. It's already a commercial product. It kills coronavirus outside of the body. Now there's, there's a, a trial going on to see if inserting it in the body can also kill the coronavirus, similarly without damage to skin, the way that we use it externally, because it's already used in hospitals. Israel's already using uh, a little robot with a UV light on it to clean out buses uh, or airlines or something. So it's a known technology that's being further tested to see if it also has an extra use. The most normal thing that happens in the world. Hey, we have some evidence this might be good. This is what we're doing to test it. The president mentioned it. And this guy from the New York Times decides to take it upon himself, he takes it upon himself to have that removed from the Internet. Why? What was the reason he gave? He said because, which is being shared on tons of replies on Twitter and Facebook by people asserting that it backs up Trump's idea, throwing it out there, that UV rays kill coronavirus. It doesn't just assert that it backs up Trump's idea. It proves it. It's not an assertion. It's a proof that 100% of scientists agree with. Is there anybody in the world that you could produce in the New York Times that would say, you know, we've looked at it, and far UV light does not kill virus? Because that would be quite shocking, since 100% of the science says it does. And multiple commercial products are selling it to hospitals filled with doctors who don't know that it doesn't work. So this New York Times... Permission to swear? I need permission to swear. Um, I know there's a little delay in the comments, but I don't want to do this until you get a little warning. You know, I know you have kids, kids at home and stuff, but it's, it's early in the morning. Kids are asleep, right? Or at least they're not watching this. I'm watching, um, and so there will be some swearing. I'll, I'll just give you a little warning on that. This David Elba guy tried successfully... He successfully had content removed from the Internet only because it backed up the president being correct and agreeing with every scientist in the world that UV light kills coronavirus. And it is also a fact, nobody questions it, The Cedar sinai is testing it right now internally by injecting it, injecting into the body through the trachea, Etc. Could be in the in the bloodstream through the vein. There's another way to do it, and this fucking cunt, this fucking idiot, Dave Elba for the New York Times, takes it upon himself to try to change the history of the world by making it look like the president's a nut for for uh, for for just speculating aloud about a technology that looks pretty fucking solid, David Elba. You goddamn fucking cunt. This is the kind of thing that makes you unqualified to be a fucking human being. We're in a goddamn 
fucking emergency. Hundreds of thousands of people are dying. And you, you fucking cunt, are trying to remove useful information from the internet because it doesn't agree with your fucking cunt, stupid, goddamn cunt fucking politics? Really? Really? You would rather destroy the whole fucking earth than let Donald Trump be right about something that he's clearly right about? That you, you, you're going to change the whole fucking internet? And then the assholes on the internet take it off. Twitter, YouTube. Yeah, let's just fucking take this information off because it doesn't look good for President Trump. This is the worst fucking thing I've ever seen. I mean, this is, this is the kind of person that I can't say enough bad about this person. This is a horrible person. Like, as a human being, you really have to check yourself. Check yourself, David Elba. You're a horrible person. What the fuck is wrong with you? Seriously, what the fuck is wrong with you? Jesus. Let's talk about the Huffington Post. Um, well, I warned you that it's hard to process that. <laughs> But I guess I managed to do it anyway. Um, so the Huffington Post ran this story not too long ago that said that the hydroxychloroquine um, was killing more people than it was helping. So they, they did a study, and they found out that the people who took it had worse, had worse outcomes than the people who didn't. Okay? So a guy who's a professional uh, with lots of experience at... Uh, examining the quality of studies. So he's, he's got years of experience. He's been hired at high levels to do exactly this, to look at studies and say, does this look good or not? It's uh, Peter Bregan, MD, with Ginger Ross Bregan. And here's what he notes. And see how obvious this is to find out what's wrong with this study. So it was a study in which they gave the hydroxychloroquine only to the sickest patients. And they found out that the sickest patients had bad outcomes compared to patients who were not as sick. It sounds like I'm making that up, doesn't it? That there was a scientific, I don't know, experience, it wasn't even a study, but an experience, uh, that the Huffington Post reported on. It's not peer-reviewed. And they compared sick people to not sick people, and they said that the people who were really sick and near death, more of them died than the people who were not very sick. And then they reported that it's because the drug is killing them. No, they only gave the drug because it was only allowed to be given to the sickest patients. So are we surprised that the people near death were more likely to die than the people who were not having any real symptoms? I mean, come on. Well, I mean, uh, it's not, uh, it's Davey Elba, D-A-V-E-Y. So on Twitter, he's at D-A-V-E-Y-A-L-B-A. If you want to send him a copy of this <laughs> this rant, be my guest. What a horrible person. I mean, really. I generally don't make, I generally try to refrain from opinions about people. You know, I'd rather just say, they're good at something, they're bad at something. You know, I'm, I, don't, I don't want to be your God and judge somebody being good or bad as a good person. That's not my job. But sometimes, you know, sometimes there's an easy call. You know, Hitler didn't have his good points. Hitler was just a bad person, right? You can't say, well, you know, he had some pluses. You don't say that. Uh, for most people, I would, though. For most people, I'd say, you know, Nancy Pelosi, I don't like what he did, what she did today, but you know she has all those other things she did. Those are pretty good. For most people, I'd say you know it's a mixed bag. It's not the way I would have gone, but I can see why they might have done it. But sometimes you're just evil, and this Navy Elba guy needs to really, really look at himself in the mirror really hard. Anyway, so so the Huffington Post is I would put them in the same category of the worst people in the world because they ran a story that is so filled with errors about the hydroxychloroquine uh, that it's obvious that its only purpose was to embarrass the president. So here we are in a fucking emergency, in a fucking crisis, and Huffington Post decides to do an article with 
grotesque misinformation because it will embarrass the president in a fucking crisis. Right? How about the people of the United States who would like to maybe survive Huffington fucking post? Maybe people want to live and not have organ damage. How about those people? You fucking pieces of shit. Um, now, I'm not saying that hydroxychloroquine works, but I am telling you that if somebody told you it doesn't work just to embarrass the president, uh, those people are not good human beings. They're just not. There's a video going around of two doctors. I don't remember their names. You've probably all seen it by now. It's, it's everywhere. There are two doctors. One of them is doing most of the talking, and he's, he's making, in general, the point that we've overdone this economic lockdown, and he goes through his reasoning and his numbers and his data for, um, for why we've gone too far with the lockdown and, and we should you know, maybe, uh, maybe loosen that up. And uh, I can't tell you how many people sent me the video to get my opinion on it. And I looked at it quickly, you know, the first time I saw it, and uh, I had a preliminary opinion, but because it, I knew it would be so unpopular, I, I kind of held back on it. <laughs> but more people sent me the video, what do you think, what do you think, what do you think? And I thought, all right, I'll spend a little time looking at this video. I got through five minutes of it. In five minutes, just in my opinion, and I know your opinion will vary, in five minutes, it was so obviously full of shit that I couldn't watch the rest. There's no way that the rest of it could redeem what is so amazingly bad in the analysis and misinformed in the first five minutes that I would recommend that you discount everything in it. Unfortunately, I think it's an example of a video that agrees with what you wanted it to say. So it just happens to be exactly what you wanted to hear, but it is the most confused, bad analysis, and, and even I can tell that, that they're missing big things, and I shouldn't be able to tell that so easily. It is the least credible thing I've ever seen. Well, except for the Huffington Post and, and, and whatever uh, Davy Elb was doing today. <laughs> <laughs> but I would, I would give it no credibility. And I'll just point out a few problems with it. Uh, one is he does this calculation based on how many people tested uh, positive uh, in, in various tests that have been given, and he makes the mistake of assuming that that tells you something. And, the, and his partner, who was off camera at the time, is trying to correct him in real time because he's just being really, really stupid. And the, and the partner is saying, well, I just, well, you know, that's just the people who you know, had symptoms. They're the ones who got tested. So if a lot of them seem to test positive, that doesn't actually tell you what's happening in the rest of the public because these are just the people who self-selected because they thought they had symptoms. So, of course, you'd expect to find a lot of them in the self-selected group. So his friend, who's being embarrassed by the guy who's talking, because the guy who's talking doesn't seem to be able to even understand that distinction, keeps on talking like that had never been said. Other things he, he gets wrong is that he completely ignores the, the observation. Forget about the math. If, if Wuhan had to be closed down and uh, the New York hospitals were crashed and Italy got crashed, you don't need to run the numbers to know that there's something going on that you don't want in your house. All right? And he just ignores them like that doesn't have to be explained. Then he does the bad math of, a, of, figure, of you know, saying that maybe the total number of dead won't be that much compared to the regular flu, which, of course, is just bad analysis, bad math, comparing the wrong things. Here's the path we're on. Correct me if I'm wrong. If the next thing I say is wrong, please correct me, because it's important, and if I have this wrong, I certainly want to know. And it goes like this. Uh, current death rate is about 54,000-ish, probably higher today. We're losing about 2,000 a day in the United States. Correct any of this that's wrong. Um, and I'm just talking in general terms. So 50-something thousand dead, 2,000-something a day. Our goal, our goal is to flatten the curve because we know we can't drive it to zero. 
flatten the curve means keep, keep it at 2,000 a day dead for as long as we can until something changes, right? So if it goes above 2,000, we'll consider, we'll consider maybe doing a little more social isolating. If it goes below, maybe we'll open up some things until it goes back to 2,000 because apparently 2,000 a day is somewhere in the range that we're willing to take. If you multiply out 2,000 people dead a day with no therapeutics working, with no vaccine, just, just, just multiply it to the end of August, and you end up with 300,000 dead. Now, why can't this doctor do math? Now, it, somebody said 1,100 yesterday. The, the individual day-to-day um, variances should not be trusted, especially if you're looking at a weekend. We've seen lots of evidence that the weekend number of deaths are, are way lower because they just haven't been recorded because fewer people are working on the weekend. So ignore any Sunday and Saturday numbers. Just look at the weekday. Um, so the doctors seem to be ignorant of how to just multiply. Unless he knows something I don't. If flatten the curve, what can it mean other than we're going to accept a, a, a certain flat number of deaths per day. That's what it means, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. By the way, if I'm wrong about that, I really, really want to know. Because it's somebody says 2,000 a day will drop off very fast. That is the opposite of true. The 2,000 a day should increase, not decrease, because the whole point is we're going to reopen the economy. Reopening the economy is designed to keep to 2,000 at 2,000. It's not designed to drop it, right? I'm not wrong about that. It's designed to keep it constant. That's what, that's what flatten the curve means. Uh, flatten doesn't not, mean, doesn't not mean no peak. It means a lower peak. No, flatten means no peak. <laughs> that's what flatten means. Uh, I mean... It, it, it peaks at the flat part and then just keeps continuing. All right. Uh, and then the, so here are some other things that the, the doctor in that video didn't know. So he used Sweden as his comparison. Here's the way to know who you should not listen to again. Anybody who uses Sweden as a comparison for what we should do in the United States, that, that should be your red flag not to listen to anything else they say. Now, if that's not obvious to you, I'll I'll dig down a little bit more. The reason is we can't tell what's different about Sweden from here. There are lots of things different, and we don't know what the active ingredient is, nor do we even know if they have good data. Given that every data we've seen on the coronavirus has been wrong, everything, everything about the coronavirus has been wrong. Do you believe any data coming out of Sweden? Why would you? Why would you believe any data out of Sweden? Don't. (laughs) <laughs> right? We now it might be true, but we shouldn't believe it. So if you're basing your decision on of some data that came out of a country, I don't care what country it is. It's all unreliable, all of it. So that's the first problem. And if you don't state that right up front, you're not a credible player. So if you say I'm going to make a Sweden reference and I think it's pretty good, I th- I think that's a solid comparison. You can stop listening to that person. It is not a solid comparison. There are too many differences. Here are some of the differences or potential differences. One is that Sweden is it's a lot easier to social distance, say, people who know more about Sweden than I do. Apparently, there are a, lot, a high percentage of the population lives alone anyway. They probably don't have the same number of elevators. They have a, a different society. A lot of people have summer homes. They can just divide into summer homes. Uh, you know, the numbers probably aren't true. And then here's the biggest fact that I, that I haven't seen reported. It's just something I saw on social media from somebody who has uh, direct knowledge of Sweden. Even though they haven't ordered a lockdown, the citizens are afraid, just like everywhere else. So they have a virtual lockdown in Sweden because even if the haircutting salon is open, they're not getting the same amount of business. So they're in a virtual shutdown, which should be more, more comparable to our actual shutdown than it is to something that's totally different and therefore a good comparison. So if Sweden is your comparison, 
say no more. There's nothing else I need to listen to. I do think it's useful to look at all the examples. You know, if, you look, if you saw several countries that seem to have a lot in common with Sweden in the ways that seem to be important and they all had a similar outcome, well, then I'd say, okay, that's, that's beginning to look like that's telling you something. But if you pick one country and say, well, they got a different result in this one country, so there shouldn't be anything after so. All you know is they got a different result, and you don't even know that because you can't trust the data. All right. So don't, don't trust that video is what I'm saying, just because it agrees with what you want it to say. Um, let's see. There's a real interesting situation. I think CNN was reporting on this. There's a barbershop in Colorado that is going to uh, open up against the governor's wishes. Now, I'm a little unclear about guidelines versus laws. Uh, Like, I don't know exactly where these economic shutdown guidelines sit in terms of how enforceable they are or unenforceable. It's sort of a gray area. But this is going to be a good test case because apparently there are conflicting conflicting guidelines from this barbershop's county which the county would suggest it would be okay to open up if they do the right things, which they have done. But the governor directly says don't open up because the state's guidelines are you know, a little bit different than the, the county. So it looks like this barbershop is going to try to open up anyway, and we'll see what happens. Now, this is an interesting test case because I was saying in my Periscope last night that... Um, and individuals and individuals can easily do... Um, social disobedience. If you said to individuals, hey, let's all just go to the beach and let's go to a protest, you can get that going pretty easily. And the number of individuals can, can easily overwhelm you know, any, any uh, law enforcement. So that's a thing that can happen. But what I think can't happen is businesses using social disobedience. Because businesses are sort of trapped. Everybody knows who they are, that you know, they can't run away. We know their identity. There are a hundred ways for a government to hurt a business. It's just too much of a risk for a business to risk its entire you know future to open up if the governor is telling you they're going to send the police or I don't know what the hell are they going to do? Something bad. You know, you, you you got to think that the government could find enough levers to shut down an individual business, small business especially. And the big businesses won't take the chance. Yeah, I don't think you'll see a Fortune 500 company uh, bucking the government and opening. So I think the government has a, a total lock on keeping the economy closed as long as it wants. And here I'm talking about the governors in particular. If the governors want you not to open, I don't think you're doing it, even if you think you can do social obedience. I just don't know there's a practical way to do it. It's too risky for a small business. Um, Here's a uh, (laughs) one-dimensional thinker. Uh, Brian Cranston, famous actor. You know him from Breaking Bad. He tweeted the other day, uh, or yesterday, I've stopped worrying about the president's sanity. He's not sane, so he's, he's determined with all of his medical credentials that the president is not sane. The 64-year-old actor wrote, and then he goes on, and the realization of his illness doesn't fill me with anger, but with profound sadness. What I now worry about is the sanity of anyone who can still support this deeply troubled man to lead our country. So, Brian Cranston I ask you this question. Have you noticed that the people who voted for the president are quite happy that he delivered or is trying hard to deliver exactly what they wanted? So Brian Cranston, is it insane for a conservative to say, you know, I'd like some conservative judges. Let's see if this President Trump can get me some. Yes, he can. He can get you a lot of conservative judges. Um, if a conservative said, I'd like to negotiate harder with China, did they get that? Yes. Did they get uh, a lot more, at least energy, 
around trying to shut the border. I mean, it's hard, but they got all the energy in the world. I mean, Trump is not backing down one bit. He's like, he's like the energizer buddy. He's not getting many wa- miles of wall built, but certainly the conservatives are getting more wall from him than they would from the alternative. So what exactly would make the conservatives crazy if they, if they started out with saying, here's my list of things I want. So do you see my list? These are all the things I want from a president. And then they elected a president. And then the president started going down the list. Check, here's your judges. Check, here's your tax cut. Check, here's your less regulations. Check, here's your China negotiations. Check, I started the wall. It's hard. I mean, I, uh, I'm going to be like, you know, pushing and pushing on every mile of this wall. But you watch me working on it. I promised, and I'm doing it. I'm working on that wall. You can see it yourself. It's not as good as any of us want, but I'm getting there. So what does Brian Cranston see that makes him blind to the fact that among the people who voted for Trump, he has something like plus 90% approval? How do you not see that? Is it crazy to have a list of things you want elect somebody who gives you all the things on the list, and then to say, well, maybe we should do some more of this, because it worked the first time. That's weird. Um, uh, So I would call Brian Cranston a one-dimensional thinker. I don't think he's even gotten to the second dimension where he can imagine that other people uh, have priorities and preferences, and they figure out a way to achieve them. All right. Uh, the big news on uh, Fox News, which they, they can't let go of, and, and they shouldn't because it's important, is that Joe Biden is getting a, a total pass from the uh, left-leaning media on the allegations, the Me Too allegations. And it really is conspicuous now. You know, for a while, for a little while, I was telling myself, okay, maybe they think there's something different about these allegations you know, maybe they think there's something especially non-credible about them, so so that's where they're laying off. Maybe maybe they're really looking at the big picture. Maybe they're saying, well, you know, President Trump has accusations, Biden has accusations, well, it's a tie. But I don't think any of that's happening. It appears to be that the left-leaning media is just not even trying to be news anymore. Because if this isn't news... What the hell is news? <laughs> I don't know what news is if this isn't news. All right. Um, so anyway, we, we watch with fascination as the news business becomes the hiding the news business. Because here you're seeing the, the, we've seen, let's see, the New York Times is removing actual news, at least one employee of it, of a technology that's vital to the you know vital to the conversation. We don't know if it's vital to the solution yet. Um, we see Huffington Post literally just making up news to try to cancel out the real news. Is the news even news anymore? It seems like the news, at least half of their work, is to remove information that's good that's already gotten out there. It's like they've stopped. They've gone to whatever is the next level. You know, the, the first level is, well, we used to think the news was credible, but then the first level of badness is that some of the news is fake. So now you're like, ah, it's hard to tell. Some of it's fake, some of it's real. You know, what am I going to do as a consumer? I can't tell. So that's the first level of badness. But it, it, it feels that they've gone to the next level, which is they're making up stuff that didn't happen, Russia collusion, etc., uh, president uh, advising people to you know, inject inf- disinfectants, things that literally they just made up. All right, that's bad enough. But now they've gone to the next level where they're trying to actually remove the true news, the stuff that's already out there that is true. They're trying to claw it back so that there's nothing left. So they're no longer happy with, well, we got some true news, we got some fake news. They can't live in a world where there's also true news. Apparently they can't survive together, and the fake news is eating the real news and winning. I mean, I just gave you three examples. 
Huffington Post canceled out some probably realer news with some fake news, you know, some, by misreporting on, on a study. New York Times literally had something scrubbed off the Internet that was important and true. And then, uh, and then the Biden stuff is literally just hiding the news, <laughs> literally just hiding it. So somebody says being paid by Zero Hedge, Scotty, my boy, you're the dumbest fucking guy who's been in here lately. Like, do you think that Zero Hedge and I have some kind of association? Good luck with that, idiot. All right. Um, <laughs> I, I like the people who are stupid and condescending at the same time. I don't know if anything bothers me more than watching somebody who is condescendingly smug and so ridiculously wrong at the same time in public, like that guy. Oh, I guess you're getting paid by Zero Hedge now, huh, Scotty? Huh, Scotty? Oh, I see. Ugh. Those people. You know, uh, as others have observed, I think I think we're all getting a little uh, cranky. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> have you noticed me getting crankier with the shutdown? Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Oh, somebody says Davy is female. Oh, D-A-V-E-Y. So the uh, reporter for the New York Times, not that it matters, it doesn't, doesn't change the story in any way, but just a correction. Uh, somebody is telling me that Davy is a woman's name. So I stand corrected. Um, somebody says there's no way Zero Hedge can afford Scott. True. True. They could not afford me if they tried. Somebody says, Cedar sinai denied being in a trial with that light company. Well, I'd need to see that story. Now, if it turns out that that's why the story was removed, then I would say, well, at least they have, you know, at least they have something there. But given that the technology uh, you know, is worth looking at whether that trial happened or not, because I was talking about the technology before the news of that trial that may or may not be fake news happened. So my decision to talk about it was independent of whether they had a trial going. If they do have a trial going, it's more strength of the case. If they don't, it's the same thing I reported on before that. All right. Um, let's see. I think I had a few more questions on here. Uh, no, I don't. That's all I wanted to talk about. Um, somebody says, take back the C word. Does that work? Can you take back words of the past? Uh, oh, somebody's, somebody's pointing out that I used the C word before I knew that uh, Davey was female. Oh, that'll be fun. Will I be canceled today for that? God, I hope so. Oh. What would be more fun than the fake news trying to cancel me for using that word uh, about this particular situation? Oh my God, that would be fun. Please throw me in that briar patch. I, I want to go on, I want to be interviewed and ask why I use that word. Please. Please let me be interviewed on live television to explain why I use such profanity in such an inappropriate way. If there's a God in heaven, please put me on CNN to explain myself. Please. That's all I ask. All right. Um, the slaughter meter update? Well, um, I heard there's uh, some kind of, uh, I don't know, digital town hall or something with Kamala Harris coming up. And uh, don't worry, I'm not taking you back. <laughs> Trust me, the C word is not going back. That one's out there and uh, it's going to stay out there. Um, somebody says, talk to Bjorn Lomborg on Sweden. That is a great idea. That is the best idea of the day. I think I might do that. Um, okay, 
Somebody says the U- UK doesn't care about the C word. <laughs> I think that's, that's closer to being true than, than not true. Uh, you might have it. You might have the coronavirus. Maybe. Maybe. You never know. I'd like to find out. That's for sure. Um, interview Trump? I'd love to. All right, I'll just look at your comments. I guess I got not much more. Discuss Gavin Newsom's uh, $75 million grant to California's undocumented workers. Well, here's the thing. An emergency is emergency rules. What you do in emergency need not have any uh, direct correlation with what you would do in a non-emergency. In a non-emergency, it would make not a lot of sense to uh, willingly give your money and resources to people who are not citizens, because doing so will, you know, more people will come in. But that's not really the situation. In the situation of an emergency, we're not really worried about people being attracted into the country, because you know the borders kind of locked down, etc. And whatever we do during the emergency would be known to be temporary. So it's not going to have some lasting effect on whether people come into the country. So, given that because it's an emergency, it's not some kind of a standard that we would have to necessarily worry about forever, does it make sense to save people's lives who happen to be physically in the country, but not legally? And the answer is, of course. Of course. And can you do it without money? You can't. Am I happy that people who came into the country would benefit from some of my money being given to them. Well, conceptually, no. Politically, no. Um, In terms of a long-term trend, absolutely not. Uh, Because it would encourage more people to come in and take my money until I had none left. Same with you. But we're not talking about a long-term situation. We're talking about an emergency. And we're talking about money that doesn't exist. If, if you said, Scott, I would like to take some of your money, your tax money, and give it to uh, people who are not legal residents, I would say, well, let me, let me you know, look at the pros and the cons of that. But in our current situation, we're spending money that doesn't even exist. It's not my money. It's not your money. It's, it's nobody's money. It's not even real money. It's just printed money. So I don't know if our system will collapse because we printed too much money. I, you know, I've got a degree in economics, and I can't figure out where things are going. But I will tell you, we're printing free money because <laughs> either the either the system is going to completely collapse, in which case it didn't matter that we did it anyway. I mean, we got to spend it while we were still alive, so it was free money. And if the and if the system doesn't someday collapse because of it, well, then it was free money. So either everything goes to hell in which case at least we enjoyed it as best we could for as long as we could by printing our free money, or we figure out how to get through this okay, in which case it was free money. Now, you can make the argument that, oh, you know, if you get through it, somebody's going to have to pay for it in the form of inflation. Somebody's going to have to pay for it in terms of debt, if if any of it is debt. And I guess that's true. But I would tell you that everything we think is obvious and predictable and the numbers indicate will happen never seems to happen. Have you noticed that pattern? Everything you think has to happen because that's where the numbers are, you know, look at the numbers. This has to happen. There's no way you can just spend forever. But time after time, we do things that the numbers say shouldn't work, and then they work. Apparently, we're not good at knowing what works and what doesn't. So, the larger picture is this. If there's somebody standing in your living room and they're starving to death, do you say to yourself, I'm not going to give you my extra sandwich. Yeah, it's extra. I don't need it. But I'm not going to give you my extra sandwich. I'm going to let you starve to death on my living room floor. Who does that? Nobody. Nobody. So, yes, um, I favor... I realize this is the least popular thing I'll probably ever say. I favor um, Governor Newsom um, making some funds available to feed, at least feed, 
the, the people who didn't have a way to feed themselves and are stuck in this country. It's not like they can easily go home, right? That's the whole emergency problem. So yes, we have to feed people who can't feed themselves in an emergency. And if you can argue with that, I don't like you. Let me just say that. If you're going to debate whether you can let somebody starve to death sitting in your living room while you have an extra sandwich because you're worried about the long-term consequences, of which there would be none because it's a special case that should not last forever, I'm, uh, I'm not sure I like you. right? But I totally agree with the general concept that you have to have strong borders because you have to get the incentives right or the whole system breaks down. And the incentive should not be, hey, let's move to this country and get some free money. But I'm certainly going to feed somebody starving. <laughs> somebody says there's no extra sandwich. Well, there's an extra sandwich in the sense that we're just printing free money. And we don't know if that actually will ever cost us anything. Um, I'll talk about more about that in the future. I'd like to get a real economist on here when I do that. Um, where can we find the Heolite UV insertion video? Which platform? Um, I hear it might have been restored to at least one of the platforms, and I hear it's on Vimeo, uh, but I don't know that. Um, somebody says they disagree respectfully. Well, let me, let me just say this. Um, if you would let somebody starve to death on your floor while there is still extra food and it looks like we probably won't run out of food, um, you have to look at yourself in the mirror. You, know, you certainly have that choice. It's a free country, and you get to make that choice. But take a good look at yourself. If that's the person you want to be, I won't stop you. Um, <laughs> uh, what kind of sandwich? <laughs> Straw man, nobody is starving. Well, nobody's starving yet. See, that, people always make that, that temporal problem that, uh, let me put it this way, um, nuclear, we don't have to worry about nuclear war because there's never been a nuclear war yet. Is that a good analysis? We don't have to worry about the temperature going up 10 degrees a year. It's not, but let's say it was. We don't have to worry about that going up 10 degrees a year because it's not that hot this year. Right? <laughs> you know, try to get at least your time zones correct if you're going to compare two things. Um, you can download from their website, the Heolite website. Uh, Vimeo, BitChute also, somebody's saying. So BitChute, it would be there if it got banned on YouTube, probably. All right. Um, all right, that's all for me. And... I will talk to you tonight. Somebody says, please do an entire episode addressing the economics. I think I might do that with a guest. I have a guest in mind, and I will do that. All right. Suggestion accepted, and I'll talk to you tonight.